listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Friday, the 19th of August 2022. Uh, later, we'll speak with one analyst who believes that despite the share market rising around 5% over the past month, he thinks we're still yet to see the bottom. But first, to profit reporting season, one of the latest, Cochlear, it saw sales revenue increase by about 10% for the full year. I spoke with its CEO earlier today, Dig Howard. Dig, firstly, we're, we're hearing a lot about the stress hospital staff are being put under for various reasons, a, a labour shortage, COVID and the like. I guess you've got a, a unique uh, insight into the sector. So given you provide products for surgery, what are you seeing and how are Australian hospitals coping? So we're seeing, Ricardo, we're seeing this as an issue right around the world. Um in many countries, there are hospital capacity bottlenecks. Um, shortage of nurses is the most common cause, but we're in some places seeing it with anaesthetists, uh, sometimes some of the other support staff. Um, so Australia, in that respect, I think is no different from what we see uh, around the world. Uh, and it's a difficult issue to solve. Uh, you know, I think there's been frontline healthcare people done an amazing job over the last two and a half years to support people in the community and help keep us healthy. Um, I think you know some of them have uh, chosen to to seek other jobs because of that. Some are just busy, and some the demand is is still high in some hospitals. So it's a difficult problem to solve. Um, and Australia's in the same boat as many places. But I think if we think forward, it's as one level, as simple as making sure that we're training enough uh, nursing and other uh, people coming through. And for Australia's case, making sure that our immigration programs are set up to bring in skilled people that we need to support our healthcare system and our economy more broadly. What does the shortage mean for your business? And what about during the pandemic? We saw uh, a number of people also um, push back their elective surgeries. Has that come back at the same time? And is there still the staff to perform those surgeries? Yeah, so we've certainly we've seen both of those improve significantly in the last, over the last 12 months. So we've seen uh, increased willingness of people to come back to hospital and get surgeries. Um, and we've seen hospital capacity increase uh, broadly across the world as well. Uh, so we and we expect that trend to continue. Uh, so we're certainly seeing improvement, and that's uh, you know, that's I think what we all want to see. Um, within your own organisation, what's the situation like with the shortage of skills? Is it flowing through to inflationary pressures, and what does it mean for for you in terms of pricing for the business and for consumers? So, uh, firstly, on the, the skills front, we have been continue to be able to attract very, very good people to Cochlear. We are uh, growing, so we're hiring. Uh, I think our mission, our, uh, the purpose in what we do is very attractive to people. The ability to work for a company where we help people gain or regain hearing. Um, we hear stories from all around the world of the impact that that has on people's lives. And that's very inspiring for all of us here at Cochlear. And we see it's inspiring for candidates who want to work at Cochlear. Uh, that said, there's no doubt that there are skills shortages and the, the labour market is, is tighter. And um, you know, so we've got to make sure that we not only have a good purpose, but we're actually a really good place to work too, in terms of having a diverse workforce, having a strong and inclusive and vibrant culture. And we've been working hard on uh, continuing to evolve the culture of the business and our engagement uh, over the last several years. Okay. On the numbers and the results, revenue is at a record, but net profit is down. Why is that? Um, so that's only um, our underlying net profit actually actually rose, 
so when our statutory profit it falls because of just um, movements in some investments we've made in early stage companies. So it's the underlying net profit, and that was actually up eighteen uh, percent in reported terms on last year, and that shows that reflects the increase in revenue uh, and good management of our costs through the year. I guess um, Cochlear is uh, uh, an Australian success story when we talk about technology, right? Are there any interesting technologies you have on the horizon? Uh, look, we've, uh, Ricardo, we're spending over $200 million on R&D each year. It was 13% of our revenue in the year we just finished. We got a lot of really exciting things um, that we are developing and we've got a very strong product portfolio uh, already and it will continue to evolve. Now, one of the exciting things that we've uh, brought out more recently um, that's now in, available in Australia is the OSEA 2 hearing system for people with mixed and conductive hearing loss. Um, it's, a, it's a unique product in the world. Uh, it gives people terrific hearing outcomes with a very slimline um, external component. Um, we're very excited to be bringing that to Australia uh, through this year. Uh, a couple of uh, other things. I'm, I'm not sure how much this relates to cochlear, but we've seen some discussion about hearing aids to be made available over the counter in the US. What's your take on this? And is this something that cochlear can benefit from? We think, first of all, it's just it's a really good move um, to deregulate the hearing aids as is happening in the US. Hearing loss as a medical condition is one of the most prevalent medical conditions in the world and one of the least treated. So anything that's done to improve access to people for people to products that will improve their hearing, helps give people better hearing outcomes, more engagement uh, in in life's opportunities and better productivity. So that's what the US uh, legislation is aimed at. It, it is aimed at making hearing, us, hearing aids available to people with mild to moderate loss over the counter. Consumer electronics companies are likely to start producing these hearing aids. So it doesn't have a direct impact on us, but anything that improves hearing care for people raises awareness of the importance of treating hearing care in the in the long run, we think will be important for cochlear too, because people will want to get, um, as their hearing deteriorates over time, a number of them will reach a stage where a cochlear implant will be the best hearing solution for them. Uh, and if they had a lifetime of um, good hearing, they'll want to keep that going. And we think... Um, uh, as they as they grow older, so it's I think a good move in the US to, to see this. Dig finally, you've done a lot of work on sustainability uh, and diversity and inclusion over the past year, especially on gender diversity and a reconciliation action plan. Uh, what are the highlights for you, and how are you measuring the outcomes? Yeah, so we're on gender diversity first up. We're very pleased with the progress that we've made, and now we've got more to do. Uh, we set ourselves a target of having 40%, at least 40% women in senior management positions uh, by June 23. Now, we actually achieved that goal in uh, January this year, so 18 months ahead of uh, our plan. So that's certainly very pleasing. Uh, but we're not stopping there. We know we've got more to do. And, and we think, you know, for us to have the best possible workforce that we can, we need to be a place where any people on all forms of diversity can thrive and succeed. That if they believe in, someone believes in our mission and believes and wants, thrives in our culture, then we're a stronger organisation. So gender diversity is important and we're doing better. Uh, across other factors in diversity too, we continue to work hard to make sure that we're a really good place to work for a wide variety 
of people. Dig Howard there from Cochlear, the CEO. Let's go to the Australian share market now, which uh, finished steady, 7,114 today. That's despite the market rising by about 1% so far this week. For more, I spoke earlier with Matt Sherwood. He is the head of investment strategy at Perpetual. But I asked him to start with what he is seeing, if there are any themes from the current profit reporting season? Well, it's very early days at the moment. Not a a large amount of companies have reported, but, you know, there are some couple of, you know, a couple of major themes coming through. First of all, it's a far more mixed season um, in terms of the overall results. Um, Result, you know, seasons, you know, in the last couple of years post the pandemic have actually just been all, all bullish, very strong earnings across the board. This one's you know, it seems some companies are running into some um, some earnings pressure, um, but uh, some other major themes really are that margins at this stage still remain fairly resilient um, uh, overall. And I guess the other good one uh, for the economy in the RBA is that it does appear that whilst consumer sentiment is, um, is at recessionary levels, people at the moment are still spending and that, uh, and that reflects the uh, elevated level we have of household savings, which is good for growth, but it, it's a very finite shield that we have and eventually those, uh, those excessive savings will roll off and that will expose the economy to downside risks, I would imagine. Speaking about the economy, what else can be said about it given we saw the, the jobless numbers come out this week and, and the wages data? Yeah, it was, um, it was an interesting report for the labour market because uh, we lost about 41,000 jobs, but unemployment went down to a fresh 48-year low of, of uh, 3.4%. Um, I never like to emphasise one month of data, but what it does show still is the labour market remains extremely tight. Um, and uh, um, there's, there's almost for the last year twice as many jobs as they were, um, you know, increasing the supply of workers. So it really is a, uh, a workers friendly environment. And that is starting to push through into wages growth, even though they, you know, they look pretty anemic relative to what inflation is nowadays. Uh, our suspicion is the, uh, the annual rate of 2.6 will get you know, we'll experience almost a bionic leap up uh, in the September quarter when we get the new award conditions flowing through. Um, and to me, uh, that's going to be very welcomed by the, um, you know, uh, by the workers. Um, might be more a bit more of a problem for the RBA, but uh, they certainly want to get wages up. Um, most of the uh, inflation we've seen over the past year is imported, you know, things out of our control, such as food and energy. Um, so I think, um, you know, it's really a sign that uh, the RBA still got some tightening to do. Yeah, the, the RBA will be meeting in a few more weeks' time. So, so what are you thinking it'll do, you know, at the next meeting and going forward? Oh, I tend to think they're going to, you know, you can pencil in another 50 basis point rise in official rates. Um, the, um, you know, the data's still been very solid for the RBA. Inflation well beyond the target. Um, you know, real rates are negative, um, which means they're still stimulating the economy. So, you know, the RBA's got to get rates up. Um, you know, and given the tightness of the labour market, I was previously expecting they probably couldn't lift rates to three. Uh, my suspicion is now they can actually push through 3%, um, you know, and go up to like three and a quarter or even a bit more. So, you know, they've still got quite a bit of tightening to do. Um, so um, I think they're just going to get on with it this year. They're going to front load the hiking cycle um, and then hopefully that will provide enough 
softness um, in 2023 to kind of cushion the economy. So um, a quick, fast tightening cycle rather than a long protracted affair. So rising interest rates and rising inflation is one uh, or are two key themes for the share market, right? But but what about China? Isn't it slowing? Yeah, China's, um, you know, I think what we're seeing in China now is becoming more and more profound with uh, not only the zero COVID policy, which has been there a while, but what we have also seen is that uh, the economy's had this stop start and it's occurred at a time of course where the construction sector is going through a lot of change um, and activity there is really really slowing and the China data this week you know it all showed that growth lifted notably in June but then it fell back um, in July and Despite there being a massive issuance of, um, of local government bonds, credit growth in China is slowing. And if the public sector is still issuing a lot of bonds and credit growth is contracting, it tells you the private sector now is really lacking confidence uh, to actually go into debt, invest in their expansion plans and so on. So to me, it kind of looks like credit growth in China has now peaked um, after just a very short upward trend. And the trouble with that is, China is a gigantic leverage bubble, and every time they run into trouble, they issue more bonds. Um, and it doesn't seem to really be working this time. So to me, um, China's starting to look a bit more problematic, and that again is occurring at a stage where we've got more and more lockdowns with COVID outbreaks reoccurring. So putting all of that together right, we're, we're seeing the market flat today. For the past uh, five trading days, uh, the 200s up just over 1%. Uh, for the past month, the share market is up 5.3%. So have we reached the, Have we reached and seen the bottom? Is it up from here? What, what's your feeling and why? I'm not convinced we've seen the bottom at the moment. I think the trends in the Australian share market will really be governed by what happens on Wall Street in combination to uh, what's happening within Australia as well. Um, and to me, we had an initial sell-off in the first half of this year driven by lower valuations and higher real interest rates. Uh, but I do think globally we're going to get a pretty significant contraction in earnings in the second half of this year and going into 2023. Um, and that's not factored into prices now. So uh, to me, we've had a good recovery in the second half of June into July and now August. Uh, to me, September's coming as a real uh, test of the market's resilience. Because central banks are probably going to have to hike more uh, than what markets expect. And this is going to occur at a time when I believe earnings are going to face some pretty material downgrades. So this is really going to test the market's ability to hold on to these levels. Um, and you combine that with the fact that valuations now are not particularly appealing. They're pretty elevated. It tells me you want to be kind of working on your portfolio defences in the next few months. Matt Sherwood there from Perpetual. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision.
Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.